RadioInfluence.com. This is Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. A look inside the biggest and most controversial news stories you need to know now. One of the country's most relied upon law enforcement analysts, Vincent Hill. Good evening and welcome to Beyond the Badge. I am your host, Vincent Hill. Today is Tuesday, May 22nd, 2018, and I want to get right to it today. If you can not tell in my voice, there's a few things that have me not only hurt, uh, but really upset. Uh, I want to start with, with Baltimore County. And there was an officer that was killed there yesterday, a four-year female veteran officer in Baltimore County Police Department. Not only was she shot in the head, she was also ran over. She was responding to a suspicious call of a possible burglary. She came in contact with the Jeep occupied by four individuals. Uh, Witnesses say they heard shots. Then they also say that they saw the Jeep run over this officer. Um, As of this morning, one of those individuals who I believe is 16 years old has been caught and arrested. Police are still searching for three other armed and dangerous individuals that were involved in this. I don't know if they're teenagers, really don't care if they're teenagers, grown men, senior citizens. Uh, The fact is an officer was not only shot in the head, but she was also ran over. Can you imagine the brutality of that? She's already laying on the ground, likely dead. Then you decide to run over her. And I'm really, really, really ticked off about this entire thing because A, we all remember Baltimore. We we remember Freddie Gray and we remember how that was on the mainstream media immediately. But yet and still, you haven't really heard about this officer who was killed in the line of duty in Baltimore. And I'll flip it even better if the roles were reversed and she had to use deadly force against anyone inside that vehicle, including this 16-year-old who is responsible in some fashion for her death. Oh, my God, there would be a mainstream media story brewing right now. Certain mainstream media would have their cameras set up in Baltimore County. Certain individuals from a certain demographic would be saying, here we are in Baltimore again. Nothing has changed since 2015. But yet, since it was a police officer, it was okay. Now, I have a huge problem, and I want to throw out this number right quick. 26. 26. That's how many police officers have been killed in this country this year. 26. We're in May. We still got quite a ways to go in this year. But it's not a mainstream media story. There's no one protesting. There's no outrage. There's no civil rights group coming and speaking on behalf of these officers. There's family members that are speaking, but no one's listening. There's family members that are grieving, but no one's feeling that pain like 
You know, we were told we should feel the pain of Alton Sterling's family by the previous administration. There's a whole lot of grief. There's a whole lot of talk, but no one's listening because it doesn't fit the agenda. 26 police officers, 26 people who would run into a building that got hit by airplanes that's about to crumble to save a perfect stranger's life are dead. 26 people who in the city of Dallas would pull people to safety when a shooter who was so blinded by an agenda that he believes he has to kill police officers because of Alton Sterling, 26 of those people that would pull people to danger, the same people that are there protesting against them are dead and no one's talking about it. But oh my gosh. God forbid if you see someone on a traffic stop and because of their actions, they get pulled out of the car and because of their resistance, an officer has to use force. Oh, God. Caught on tape. World star. CNN. Oh, my goodness. Look at the brutality. Look at the brutality because they had to take this individual to the ground because this individual was resisting arrest because they really didn't do anything. Look at the brutality of these police officers. Well, let's talk about brutality. One female officer in Baltimore on yesterday woke up, probably told her family goodbye, probably talked to her best friend, probably uh, talked to her mother, Probably talked to her father, her sister, her brother. I don't know if she's had if she had children because they haven't released her name yet. But she's talked to some family member yesterday. She assumed her day would end up with her going home that night. That's what all police officers pray for. But yet at 2.30 in the afternoon, not 2.30 in the morning where it's pitch black, 2.30 in the afternoon, she's doing what police do. They get a call. They respond and she's shot in the head and she's ran over by a Jeep. Oh my gosh. Talk about brutality. But yet this society is so twisted to think that, oh, it's okay to resist arrest. Oh, it's fine. But if the police lay their hands on you, then oh my God, you have a civil case. Oh, my God, these officers are being racist. You have leaders, you have teachers, you have congresspeople going on social media and saying since President Trump has uh, become president, that police are a terrorist organization out to get black people. You have all of this agenda bias stuff going on, but nobody's speaking up for these police officers. And I can assure you, once they catch the rest of these individuals in Baltimore, which they will, their families will be on the news saying how they're a great kid and they're being uh, unjustly treated in the justice system and all of this, that and the other. Well, the fact is, I'm going to call it like I see it. They were out committing a crime. She was in the progress of investigating a burglary, a burglary that obviously These individuals were doing because here's the thing. Innocent people just don't decide to shoot a police officer in the head, then run her over and then flee. Innocent people 
if they were so innocent, like they will be portrayed, trust me, innocent people would have just said, oh, officer, here's my license, my registration. We were not doing anything. We will leave the area. That's what innocent people do. But guilty people decide, I'm going to kill this officer because I don't want to go back to jail. I'm going to kill this officer because I don't want her to know what I'm doing. But God forbid, God forbid, she would have had backup. And they would have gotten in, in, a, in, a, in a shootout with, with police and they would have ended up dead because that's usually what happens when people get in shootouts with police. Police shoot to kill, to eliminate the threat. Right now, I assure you, it would be such a huge national story about the injustices still going on in Baltimore. But who's speaking out for this officer who protected and served for four years? And now, can can you imagine this? Can you imagine this? I'm going to be a little graphic here. I don't even think this officer can have an open casket funeral. She was shot in the head. And she was ran over by a jeep. I don't know what is left of this officer where her family would even want someone at her funeral to see her in that condition. You know, here's here's in this tragedy. Here's the good thing in this. She was wearing body cam and investigators right now are reviewing every aspect of that body cam. So we're going to get a look at exactly what she saw. We're going to get a look at exactly what ended her life, who ended her life, and they should be tried to the highest extent of the law. The highest extent of the law. Because let's be honest, there's a war going on, and I'm not talking Afghanistan. I'm not talking North Korea. I'm not talking Vietnam. There's a war going on right here in this country and communities on corners and blocks all around this country. And the war is against police. 26, 26 police officers this year. And we're only in month five. That means we still have six more to go before we even get towards the end of the year. We're in month five, 26 police officers dead and gone. No one knows their names, but if the roles were reversed and some person decided to make an officer, cause an officer to use deadly force based on their level of resistance, based on their use of force, based on that imminent threat, everybody would know their name. Everybody would have a t-shirt. Everybody would be hashtagging. Who's hashtagging this Baltimore County police officer? 
Do you find that the media often misrepresents police officers? Do you find that there is no fair and balanced approach to discussing issues having to do with the police? Not at the State of Logic podcast. I'm Kevin Van Acker, and I've done over 10,000 hours of ride-alongs with the police, specifically so I can talk to you in a fair and balanced manner when it comes to current topics about the police. But we talk about all sorts of things. Come check us out, the State of Logic podcast. Another thing that has me really upset is this, this stupid, stupid thing I, I saw the other day about body cams. Now, remember, you know, for years, people have been saying police need body cams, so it will prove what people have been saying for years, that police officers are just racist and they want to go after black people. And last week, I touched on two individuals that were black that basically went to social media and said they were racially profiled and done wrong by police and felt threatened. One said she felt like Sandra Bland. The other said the officer immediately asked where the drugs were and his family was scared because he had his hand on his gun, blah, blah, blah. But of course, body cam footage contradicted what they said. They were made to be liars. Now, there's a report that's been floating around, uh, and it came from the Leadership Conference on Civil and Human Rights. And there's a Newsweek article uh, that says police body cameras can threaten civil rights of black and brown people. Now, these are the same people that wanted these body cams. So now there's this report that says it can threaten the civil rights of black and brown people. Well, dang, it's damned if you do, damned if you don't. Don't. You want body cams because you, you want to prove what you've been saying. But now you don't want body cams because you say it can violate your civil rights. But aren't these the same civil rights that you said you want to protect it by the body cam? I'm a little confused here. One of the arguments is that, of course, uh, the majority of Police departments across this country allow officers to watch the footage from their body cam whenever they want, including before writing their incident reports or making statements. So there's a quote and it says unrestricted footage review places civil rights at risk and undermines the goals of transparency and accountability. That's from a, a Vanita Gupta. She's the former head of the Department of Justice Civil Rights Division. Uh, and she's the current head of this leadership conference. Um, well, you know, uh, I, I'm kind of twofold on that, right? So should you be able to watch body cam footage for, say, a, tr a simple traffic stop? Probably not, because your memory is going to be quite clear on what happened. You pulled a vehicle over because of a improper lane change, speeding, uh, wrong tag, busted headlight, busted taillight. You went up to the vehicle, you got the driver's license registration, you came back, you wrote the ticket, you handed the ticket off, boom. An officer's going to remember that. Have a nice day, sir. Slow down, get the taillight fixed. Have a nice day. An officer's going to remember that because it's not a high-stress situation. Now, let's take this a step further and say the same traffic stop you initiate as soon as you exit your vehicle, the driver exits 
exits their vehicle, they either pull a gun on you or they start running and you get into a scuffle. Your stress level is going higher and higher and higher. Your adrenaline level is going higher and higher and higher. And all of this stuff is happening in split seconds. Although sometimes it seems like slow motion, it's happening quite quickly. So your memory is not going to be the same as if it was a simple traffic stop because there's stressors there that are going to affect everything that you saw, everything that your mind did because you're acting in split seconds. You're reacting to a stressful situation. So do I believe that you should be able to write a report after reviewing body cam in a stressful situation? Absolutely, because I've been in those where I couldn't remember exactly what happened, when it happened, how it happened, what was said. That's human nature. That is the brain. That's how it functions. And I dare anybody, this uh, this individual here, this Vanita, I dare her to get in a stressful situation and see if she can recall, based on her memory, exactly what happened and be able to write it down. It doesn't happen that way. So I don't honestly feel that if you watch the video that it's going to change what happened because, again, there's this whole transparency thing. So why would an officer go watch the video, write something totally contradictory of that video, and then say, this is my report, but the police department is trying to be transparent. That just doesn't make sense to me at all. Now, her second argument, which I I really am having a hard time wrapping this little pea brain of mine around, she says, without carefully crafted policy, safeguards in place, There is a real risk that body-worn cameras could be used in ways that threaten civil and constitutional rights and intensifies the disproportionate surveillance of communities of color. So, again, my brain's not that big, but I assume what she's saying is the fact that if police are wearing body cams, that they could be used to spy disproportionate surveillance, spy on the black community. Well, I'm going to let her in on a little secret that she may or may not know. I know in the projects of Nashville, there's cameras on every corner. I know because I used to work there. I know when I go to New York a lot, there's cameras just about on every corner. I know in Baltimore, there's surveillance cameras on just about every corner in high crime areas. So there's already surveillance going on in the community. It's been that way forever. So you're saying because of these body cams that there's going to be more surveillance? And when you say disproportionate, it's not disproportionate. It goes back to what I always say. It's demographics. Why would I spend thousands of dollars putting cameras in areas where my crime rate is at zero versus where my crime rate is at 95% and I have burglaries, I have car break-ins, I have shootings, 
I have robberies. I have sexual assaults. And I need to be able to quickly identify a suspect. It's not disproportionate. It's demographics. That's simple. So now police. Oh, my God, you got a body cam. You're here to spy on me. Oh, my God, you got a body cam. But I don't want you to go watch that footage to write your report of this very, very high stressful situation you were just in that you can't recall from your memory because everything was happening at the speed of light. Oh, my God, you got a body cam. I'm still going to lie on you and say that you violated my civil rights. You use excessive force. You called me this. You called me that. I'm still going to lie on you. And even though your body cam is going to prove me wrong, I'm still going to say, no, this is exactly what you did. So the report goes on to say that police departments institute a clean reporting policy under which officers write an initial incident report before reviewing any footage. Then after they review the footage that they write a second supplementary report or most people call it supplement report. Well, I'm going to tell you why I disagree with that, right? Because anytime you write a report, it is considered an official report. Now, let's go back to the whole high-stress situation that you couldn't recall from memory. And Let's say you write something based on what your brain is telling you happened. Because, again, you're trying to rewind this tape Imagine a DVD player or a VHS for those of us that are old enough to remember VHS. You're trying to rewind this tape to an exact spot and hit playback. And you may have to pause it because there's something you need to look at. And you may have to fast forward. You may have to rewind. You ever tried to do that on a DVD or VHS? You never get to the exact spot that you're looking for. It either goes a little bit too far, a little bit too forward way back and you're always upset because you can't get to the exact spot that you want. It's the same thing when you're trying to recall this. Now, remember, it's an official incident report. Now, let's say you write this official incident report, then you watch the video and then you come up with your supplement report and not because you're being dishonest, simply because you watch the video and you're like, oh, yeah. I forgot that this happened because remember, you rewound a little too far or you fast forwarded a little too far and you missed it in the playback. Oh, yeah, I forgot that. Let me add this. And now guess what they have over you? Were you being untruthful in your statements? No, I wasn't. I just didn't remember. Now, based on this, I remember. Well, how do we know you weren't being untruthful when you wrote that first initial Incident report. That's why I'm not a big advocate supporter of, oh, well, let them write an initial report and then write a supplement report. That makes zero sense to me because you're going to always have that case, that instance where, hell, I just can't remember exactly what happened. Now you're asking me to write it down based on strict memory and then to go back and say, Oh, yeah, that's right. When someone writes an initial report, they're writing. 
based on what they can recall. That's usually how it works. I showed up to a burglary. I entered the northeast corner door. Upon arrival, I observed an individual who immediately pointed a gun at me. Well, what was he wearing? I don't know. I was focused on the gun. I think he had on black pants and a red shirt. Then you go back and you watch the video. Oh, actually, he had on an orange shirt and purple pants. Well, officer, were you lying? No, I wasn't lying. I was focused on the gun that was there to pose an imminent threat to my life. I was focused on that. Hmm. Can you see how that could be a huge problem? Here's here's what I want you to do. Go in your house. Turn on all your TVs. On different channels. Turn them as high as they will go. Then kick on your stereo. Have your husband, your wife, your children tell you something. It doesn't matter what it is. Just have them tell you something that's about 10 to 15 seconds long. And then come back, turn everything off, and tell me, A, could you hear what they said? B, could you hear what was on one TV? Can you hear what was on the other TV? Can you hear what was on the other TV? Could you tell what song was on the radio? And then play all of that back. And if you can do that, then you too can write a report flawlessly based on not watching any body cam footage. But I'm going to go out on a limb and say that you can't do it. I want to switch gears and I want to start doing something hopefully every week where a lot of police officers throughout this country every day do acts of kindness that no one ever, ever hears about. And, you know, truthfully, that's probably 60 to 70 percent of this job, contrary to what you see on the news, contrary to what you hear, contrary to what you see in social media. Police are human. They have hearts. They have compassion. Uh, So every week I want to try to spotlight an officer who has gone. I won't say above and beyond because that's what police are there to do to protect and serve. But I want to say somebody that went uh, and did an extraordinary thing for a citizen that they are sworn to protect. And uh, this week I want to focus on, I want to spotlight Officer Mike Kelly, Cleveland City Police Department in Cleveland, Tennessee. This story actually went viral as well as it should have. This is a police case that definitely should be viral. He was working an extra job as security in a Walmart uh, for, you know, extra money like most police officers do. They work extra jobs. I've worked a few here and there. Uh, When he saw a guy, uh, dad, with his kids, I believe there were six kids. He was trying to buy groceries and his card was declined. So the officer saw this, who's also a school resource officer during the day. He saw this. He went up to the guy and he said, please allow me to bless you. So Mike Kelly goes in his pocket, takes out his card, and he pays for this family's groceries. And the man was overwhelmed. And, you know, he thanked the officer. He said, hey, God bless you. And the officer's response was, He already has. And I think I know exactly what he meant by that. He was able to bless this family with 
their groceries in their time of need. So his blessing was that he was able to do it for this family. And that is an amazing story. My hat's off to this officer, Mike Kelly. My hat's off to the Cleveland City Police Department for having those types of officers on their police department. That's an amazing story. And these are the stories that we need to get viral. These are the police stories that everyone needs to hear. With that being said, it is the end of the show and it is time for my 10-7 segment tonight. I want to honor the Baltimore County police officer that was killed in the line of duty yesterday. Again, they have not released her name at this time. A 16-year-old was arrested. Police are still searching for three armed suspects. Remember, she was shot in the head and she was ran over. That is a very, very disturbing and a very, very brutal and tragic way for your life to come to an end at 2.30 in the afternoon simply for doing your job. And I don't know too many jobs where at 2.30 in the afternoon, you just don't make it home based on nothing more than doing your job. So once I do have her name, I will definitely come back. And as you know, I will actually do the full read on her career, her situation, what exactly happened to her. But right now, again, police in Baltimore County are searching for three individuals involved in the death of this female officer who served with the Baltimore County Police Department for four years. I want to thank you for listening as always, and I will see you next week right here, same time, same place, RadioInfluence.com. Good night. To continue the conversation, get updates on the show, and to find out when you can see him on television, follow Vincent on Twitter, at Vincent Hill TV. That's at Vincent Hill TV. This has been Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. This is a dark to light with Frankenstein's quick fix on Radio Influence. It's true. There were plants, all right. The disagreement comes on who they were and who was involved and who wasn't. I have worked for over a year to show everyone why. And and it wasn't only me. There's tons of people that have been doing this um, in, in a group with the same passion. I firmly believe that the people attached to these supposed, you know, these alleged spies that I I don't even want to say alleged anymore. They're spies. These people knew what they were doing. They knew it. They knew exactly what they were doing. And I think that Papadopoulos, the one who, you know, communicated with Mifsud, the one who met with Alexander Downer in a London bar, the one who supposedly got the information that Clinton was a, well, you know, her Russia had her emails. I think you knew about it. You want to know why? Because of the overt way that he communicated this information back to the campaign. Dark to Light with Frank and Beans can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com.